This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. This is the second episode of a two-part conversation I had with Coventry and England fan Brian Wright. Have you missed the first part? Stop now. Go find part one. That was the one where he spoke about trouble in Turkey, how Shrek came to be, and he told us about his collection of replica tournament trophies. Go and find that one before you listen to this one. It'll make a little more sense. But if you have heard that one, let's crack on with this one. Coming up on this episode, we talk more Euros and World Cups. We also talk snooker too. Take us to, uh, where do we get up to? 2012, the Euros, 2012. 2012, Ukraine. Yeah. I, I did in and out. Oh, did you? Day trip. It was horrendous. Cool. Just, it was so punishment. It was, yeah, because, you know, when I when I flew and got there, I wanted to have a drink with my mates and enjoy it. Yeah. But then at the end, you, you've got to leave them, mm. you know. But it was just work circumstances and, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes knees, knees must. And uh, so I did all three group games and then the uh, knockout game. Uh, against Italy in and out one day probably the most enjoyable one was like the, the Sweden one uh, yeah. the th- two one down three three two up one uh, Theo Walcott just about to shoot oh don't it don't shoot and then it shoots it goes in and then you go mental and uh, right. everyone's spilling over going over onto the running track and stuff and uh, that's right yeah I went with my dad with that and one of my dad's best memories that going that game seeing us win S- certainly a good game that one yeah yeah just uh, we played well. We did play well that game, I thought. And uh, Andy Carroll, one one of his few games where uh, he was fit, he was a threat. If he was fit, he was a real threat, weren't he? And uh, yeah. his header he scored it was a great goal, I thought. Yeah. And, uh, but ultimately, it ended ultimately, by Italy on penalties. Penalties. Uh, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> if I jump back to uh, 2007, both my daughters were lucky enough to win a competition to be mascots. Right. Walked out, we played Germany in a friendly, and it's never a friendly against Germany. No. And he walked out with uh, Joe Cole and Michael Carrick. Uh, okay. So seeing them walk out uh, was one of the proudest moments, singing the national anthem, one of the proudest moments as a dad in, in my life. Like, uh, Great stuff. And did, did you still have Shrek then? Shrek yeah, was still following yeah, you came, then? Well, he came up until Rooney retired, and then also then come out of his retirement for his USA game, 120th. Yeah. Um, do you remember when Rooney... Uh, he put his head a little bit. Uh, he had to have the bandage. Yes, almost, yes. Fact, almost like, not quite as Paul Ince and definitely not Terry Butcher. Yeah. Uh, so I remember having a bandage with a safety pin and a little bit of uh, like ketchup for a bandage room for one game. Or when he had his hair transplant, I went ridiculously yeah. over the top and give him like a Kevin Keegan perm. I used to buy all the new kits as well. When a new kit came out, Rooney had a new kit or a captain's armband. You know, the FA had a lot of money out of me. Over that. And, uh, <laughs> For Rooney to be a bit upset and not come and sign 
my shirt. And I knew he didn't come over on purpose because the next day after, I got a phone call from his representative saying, uh, we appreciate if you get invited to something like that again, you, you don't bring your uh, cuddly toy. He <laughs> didn't even want to say the name Shrek. He just said cuddly toy. Oh, uh, because he, uh, he, he found it uh, upsetting. He treated all the Man United team. He took them all to go and see Shrek the musical. Ah, so, so he milked it when it suited him. And then he brought, he brought an annual out in 2004. At the end of 2004, must be like Christmas. And it had all about Euro 2004 in. And it had a picture of Shrek in it. So it must have been like the first game I took him, must have been, in the kit. Yeah. And, uh, and it was Rooney's official at, annual underneath. It had a picture of it and underneath it captioned, what a cheek. So, you know, he took it as a joke maybe at the start and then it, yeah. <laughs> it become more. Uh, <laughs> I remember when he walked on the training pitch with uh, Ashley Cole and Rio Fernand, they were touching him and pointing over to me, carrying Trek. It was only then that I see Rooney walk up to Capello and uh, say something, and then walk off and get on the team bus. And he was the only one that didn't train, and it was because of that. Oh, no way! Yeah, <laughs> I saw yeah. you had a photo taken with um with Capello. Fabio. Yeah, with yeah. him there. What's Fabio like? Because he had a lot of... Um... He had a lot of stick, didn't he, for yeah. the uh, lack of English, maybe, or understanding of... Yeah. Uh, I thought he, he was very polite and courteous, and he, I thought his English was pretty good when I spoke to him a couple of times. One, I got invited to another like Wembley thing to have a breakfast with Capello and ask him some questions. Yeah. And, uh, I thought his, his English was all right, actually. And uh, obviously, his football knowledge... Was great. I just think it was our group of players, really. Right. Um, well, yeah. we're tournament-wise, we are up to okay. Let's go to Brazil, isn't it? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, it's one yeah. that I didn't well, actually get to. Up until two weeks before, I hadn't got a flight, hadn't got a hotel booked. I was umming and ahhing whether I was going to go, which must have been quite a decision, considering that obviously the amount of games you haven't missed. I, I know, I know. I, I just, I, it was. Um, private life things going on and yeah. and debating whether whether I'm going to go or not. I went out with my then girlfriend, now my wife. Mm. I went out to Miami for the two friendlies. Oh, yeah. Because we were going to make a little trip of that. Both big Elvis fans, so we took an internal flight to Memphis and went nice. to Graceland in between the two games. And while I was there, it made my mind up that I'm going to go. So I started booking everything while I was in Miami for Brazil. I'd already applied for tickets because, right. and I'd already had the jabs because I knew that if I end up do decide I'm going to go, there are things I can't then just magic up. So malaria tablets yeah, and jabs. Yeah. We um, went Miami and I decided, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. So I had two days to get back, do me washing, you know, English shirts and mm. shorts and stuff and things I'm going to take to then fly back out to, to Rio and then uh, onto Manaus for uh, the game in the jungle. Yeah, and uh, we we stayed in um, we stayed in like uh, rooms with hammocks and netting on the banks of the Amazon River. When they said you could swim in this water in the Amazon, it's fine, but the current is really strong, so you got to swim quite hard just to tread water, basically. Yeah. So you can go in, but you know, stay near here, boys. You could be in a couple of minutes' time, you'd be down the river, and we'll be in a boat after you trying to bring oh, you back. Wow. So. I wanted to say I went in. So I went in, had a little swim, then come out. And then uh, he said, right, this afternoon, we're going to go and fish for piranha. He more or less took us in the boat to the same water that he just said that it's safe to go and swim. <laughs> and, uh, and, 
we're all looking at each other. He goes, well, if I, if I told you before, you probably wouldn't have got in the water. Like, of course, uh, yeah. yeah. He had well, he said, we're going to catch it and barbecue it. Oh, right. Yeah, so, but they weren't much on it. They were very, very thin. Yeah. And uh, it did taste like chicken. It did. <laughs> it did. It just, and what he did, he, he had like a, this like wooden paddle and hit the water hard and make a, a noise and a vibration. He had like yeah. a bamboo stick with a bit of string on and a hook on, bit of raw chicken, and he'd just drop it in the water like that and then flick his wrist. And there'd be a piranha on the end and he'd swing it near you and everyone's going, oh, it's yeah. a lie. And then uh, they'd say, right, hold the string if you want and we'll take a photo of you with a piranha there. You know, okay, yeah. every time he did it, he caught one. And he let everyone have a rod and everyone have a go. And we were just doing like that, a bit of chicken, down, fill the tug, pull up, empty hook. But every time he did it, he got piranha. You know, it was just like, you had to be so quick. And a couple of people managed to catch one and a few didn't. And I've never been fishing in my life before. I've never fished since. But I could say I caught a piranha. Yeah, 100% and, and record. I caught one. And then obviously they put it all in a pile of what we caught, mainly what he caught. And luckily they had other fish and other stuff that they were cooking that we could eat and, and not the chicken that he was putting in as bait, you know. And we cooked the piranha, ate it, and then they presented it to us as a full piranha on the plate. Eyes, sharp teeth. I took the teeth out of mine and kept them. So uh, I've got a memento. Obviously, the uh, it weren't very filling the uh, piranha itself, but the other fruit and the, the veg and the food, beautiful. Took us into the jungle where they like cut off bits of trees and made us kings and queens of the jungle, you know, uh, and fans and uh, wichity grubs. And when you bit into them and it tastes like coconut and stuff. And uh, oh, at first it did, and then it was disgusting. Oh. <laughs> Going out at five in the morning and the, the Amazon's like a mill pool and it's uh, bats are flying around you. And then as the sun just starts rising, seeing pink dolphins swimming in the Amazon. It was just amazing, amazing. And then we go and play Italy, and I thought we played really well against Italy. I was uh, going to say, I mean, all these experiences there in Brazil, and it's just the football then, was just... Football, you know, Italy, I thought we played well, but obviously we got beat by Italy, and uh, I think I was on telly back home with uh, Wittrek, sweating profusely. We went it on really to, that uh, hot out there? Yeah, humidity-wise. Yeah. Not heat to me, you may just... Pouring, since you got out the shower and then she had aircon, just pouring at you. Yeah. And flew from Manaus to uh, Sao Paulo, I think it was for the uh, second game against Uruguay. And then Suarez yeah. got bitten again almost. <laughs> well, I literally did get bitten because of mosquitoes and stuff. Luckily, I had malaria tablets and yeah. jab. But I was due to take my malaria tablets a week long course. England were out after six days. So ma- malaria tablets lasted longer than uh, England did in the tournament. <laughs> so we went to that dead rubber against Bel- in Belo Horizonte against Costa Rica, uh, wasn't it? Costa Rica, and that was a shocking game. You could at least give us something to cheer about, but it was poor. And uh, you know, that was one of the few games we didn't get out of the group. The first time I've seen us not get out of the group in a World Cup, and yet we gave the England players a standing ovation for for what seemed like ages after the game. They came right up to us, clapping us back for ages. There were no booing or no, you know, aggression towards the players and I've wasted my money or it was just like standing ovation and uh, singing Hey Jude, but England to the June light. And uh, really weird, really, because maybe we travelled so far and spent so much money 
uh, maybe they did actually respect us for doing that. Uh, That's what I thought. Normally, normally the players don't go out the centre circle, you know, after we've mm. lost. A little bit of clap in the centre circle, then they're off. But, you know, it was maybe some respect back to us. Because remember South Africa, we were in England after the nil-nil at Algeria, and Rooney criticising the fans, yeah. you know, coming all that far and uh, getting booed. That's what you call little support. You know, we have got amazing support when you think mm. the lack of success we've seen. And very few semi-finals or finals that we've just had to our name. And yet we travel in our thousands and, and spend hundreds of thousands between us, you know, over the years. The miles we travel, you know, you don't get a lot back. You know, you're mm. counting maybe two hands, the, the memorable games. And finally get something back, you know, the players coming over to the fans and clapping us back and saying thank you. It, I think it means a lot. And you get more out of the fans then, I think. Quickly, I said piranha in uh, Brazil. I did go in a cage and great white shark bite in a cage in South Africa. That was that was always a lifelong dream oh. to do. Actually having a great white shark come and ram the cage and bite it uh, while I was in it. Oh. My heart was bumping so fast. One of the best things I ever did non-football-wise because like the 90 minutes, 120 minutes, 120 plus penalties... They're normally the worst parts of the trip, aren't they? It's yeah. what goes around it. You know, the football makes you keep coming back, but it's the people you go with and the memories that you make. Barry, yeah. I met in Kazakhstan. He then became my best man eventually when I got married in 2019. My mate, Chris Green, who I went with before that, sadly passed away on the eve of um, Russia 2018. Oh. I know we, we, if we go to 2016 France, again, a poor tournament by us. Last group game, you know, we thought, Beating Wales was the everything, you know, the celebration. That was the but pinnacle making, of that tournament for us. Then making like 10 or 11 changes for the Slovenia, Slovakia, whichever yeah. one it was again, team. Making all the changes again and then not finishing top of the group. Again, we should be expecting to beat Iceland. As a nation, we are. Maybe we shouldn't expect to, really. We should give everyone, and Southgate has done it himself, give everyone respect who we play against because under Southgate now, 2016, we stayed in France and we're getting trains about everywhere. And remember St Etienne before the game, night before the game, went to this bar and there was a bar where there was a balcony above it and uh, people were going up there choosing a tune and then going up like almost karaoke and rhyming tunes and stuff. I went up there with with Shrek and the trophy and played Three Lions and there were about 3,000 England fans all below singing. And then I said, can you put Twist and Shout on? It's a cob song. Afterlight and uh, everyone like going mad for that as well. And uh, the barman come down. And he goes, "If you come tomorrow and do this again, free drinks." Went the next day and did it. And it must have been about thirty thousand England fans. Was this in that big main square? Big main square. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everyone, rather than going to the bar, going to the off license. And I think the off license must have sold out its whole stock for the year. People were just sitting in the park. It was a really hot, lovely day. Great atmosphere. You know, singing and. People getting on all before an absolutely shocker of the game, nil-nil. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, to be honest, probably the Wales game and, and that moment in that square was probably one of the highlights for me of the whole tournament. Yeah, the Wales game, obviously, beating them and celebrating through the night and they took it really well, far better than we would have. Like, and then, yeah. and then, then the celebrations, because I think he made like that nine or ten changes, didn't he, for the game because we were already through. And it just lost all momentum then. Yeah. You know, off the back of, you know, winning the second game, you go and win the group and then worry about 
as we did in Euros just gone. Win the group and then worry about who you play or let them worry about us. And it didn't turn out too bad, did it? Someone just gone. So yeah. then that was, that's the route to go down. When you keep winning, it's yeah. a good habit to win. Absolutely. Although I think, was it... 2016, although, I mean, obviously the results didn't go away. It wasn't the best on, on the field. It wasn't, wasn't too good for you off the field, though, was it? No, if we went back to, we had a, a friendly march against Germany in Berlin. Yeah. And on that day, sadly, my father passed away. He, he'd been ill since about, about February, a short illness, cancer. We, we knew it was coming. We both had tickets and flights booked for, for the Germany game. Fair play to um Sport ops who uh, just refunded the money completely. Uh, I had loads of friends still obviously going to the game who, who knew what situation we were in back home, but I didn't let any of them know that he actually passed away that day because you know I wanted them to go away and have a good time. And I knew that I'd message from friends while they were out there, it would have had an impact on, on their day. So I let them all enjoy a, a famous win in Berlin and then told them a couple of days later. My dad was like that thing. He, um, yeah, he, he was a big football fan. He got me into my sport, my football, my snooker. He did try to get me to support Leicester, but I bought, brought up in Coventry and all my friends went home games, Coventry. So I, that's how I'm a Coventry fan. He was meant to be coming to the Euros with me in France as well, but obviously, sadly, it, it didn't happen. With my snooker connection, because he got me into snooker, uh, the World Championships was only three weeks away from uh, when he passed away. And Will Snick were brilliant. They, uh, they put a brass plaque on the back of his seat um, uh, and it's there for the lifetime of the seat. So it is was, it nice? Obviously, the seat number, his name, and every, everyone called him Grandad. Um, he would say, like, you call me Grandad from now on to people. And everyone called him Grandad. I remember, like, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan from all the years of our law support of going and stuff. Ronnie O'Sullivan sent me a lovely video message in tribute to my dad. Uh, Mark Selby sent me a lovely message and uh, a lot of the players did. And then I took my dad's Leicester flag with me to the cruise ball. I got a lot of stick being a commentary fan doing that, but uh, no, I took but it I with me. The but, sentiment behind it, I think, is is great. It, yeah. yeah, so I, I took it with me and Leicester actually won the league on the same night that Mark Selby won the World Super Championship. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, I don't know if you remember, when he held up the trophy, he held up the Leicester flag with it. Um, yeah, that was my dad's flag, and he asked me could I hold it up, which I was in bits and obviously yeah. uh, emotionally. I was the first one to lean over and tell him, "Congratulations on being world champion!" And uh, by the way, your team are Premier League champions because Spurs drew two two with Chelsea that night, and that made them become champions. So sadly, my dad passed away five weeks before they become champions. Yeah, but I put a, a league table in with him and like a copy of the. Uh, Sporting life, saying that, like, you know, they're paying out on Leicester and stuff. And uh, so, because he, he liked to have a bet and yeah. he really liked that. And I think he, he went knowing that um, they were pretty much going to, as a Leicester fan, you, you probably thought they'd mess it up. But uh, they were 10 points clear. And I would like to think he, he went knowing that they were going to win. Yeah, I and imagine he knew. Three, after the 3 2 game, we won in Berlin. Vardy scored, a Leicester player. So, a little nod to my dad as well then that night, I think. And so I went into the tournament, you know, not really focused on, on the game itself and the football. It was my mind was somewhere else, really. Yeah, and I understand. My, my heart was as well. It was probably my, my least favourite tournament 
just because of what was going on in my head and like in my life at, at yeah. the time. Did your dad remember, obviously, 66? He did, yeah. Did he tell yeah, you about he, that? Yeah, he, he said that they didn't have a telly, but it went round a friend of theirs on the street who did have a telly, and mm. loads of people gathered around watching it. He was saying there were big street parties and uh, after, but all he wanted to do was get his football and go out and kick his football about. And, uh, as we uh, all did. Like, all as do. we all do, you know. It's, he did national service in Malta. When he went out there, he had like an army team and he won the league and cooked double out there. And he was the only non-professional in the side. All of the 10 players were on, on the books of teams. Right. And he was the only non, non-pro on the team. He, you know, he, he was a really talented cricketer as well, a snooker player and got me into snooker. So he was all around the Whitman sport. That's where I, I got me love of what I'm a professional watcher of it. <laughs> I'm not very good at playing any of it, but... Um, <laughs> How random is this? I'm watching a watching like a couple of the games in the Euros. Mark Selby actually won the World Super title uh, this year. He, he messaged me saying, I've, I've just seen you on the telly, bro. Football, like, and that's the World, World Snooker champion messaging me and stuff. And that's it? amazing. It's I mean, pretty cool. Like. Yeah. I mean, with the snooker, a couple of things is obviously with the football, you get the drama and, and that. Do you get that same feeling with watching the snooker of the drama of it? Yeah, it's different because you you have to hold your your emotions in. You have to help keep the noise, you know, no noise, and so it's more an explosion of noise when there's a brilliant shot or yeah. or, or the hush of expectation when someone's clearing up for say a one four seven, and then electricity, everyone you know whispering to each other he's on a one four seven and stuff, and you know, or if we're sat one side of the auditorium, but friends sat the other, and we're all like making gestures with hands like and what's he yeah. on and stuff and, you know and it's more a different like a, a respect of their, uh, their ability and then you know afterwards it becomes like the uh, euphoria and the noise so yeah. I think it was different this year because we'd not had a crowd in or like 25% in uh, for the whole tournament and then for the actual final itself they let full crowd in and the noise when the players came into the auditorium for the, for the final I've never heard it like sound like it sounded like it. A bit like when we sounded like when we beat Germany, oh. you know, a, a, a different noise mm. than we've been used to for the last 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, it's electrifying being in there and seeing some, you know, witnessing sport and history, and especially where I sit, you're that close to the players and the action. It's kind of like you're part of the match. Yeah. You do. Well, this is the thing. You're you're well known for for sitting at the front, but you're also well known, obviously, wearing your Coventry shirt as well. The, the sitting at the front became a, became a fluke. Yeah. Because the first few years we went, we were started all over the place, and then one year we happened to get them seats down the front. The following year, when you had to, you just have to write in and apply, a bit like the old. England Sports Members Club. Yeah. You just have to write in. You could ask for four tickets on a bit of paper and you get your reply back, right? Enclosing a cheque and a self-addressed envelope. <laughs> so you used to do that for the snooker. Right. And I kindly put, please, could I have these same A11, A12 uh, seats, please? The following year, they sent back A11, A12. We thought, well, we'll try and keep having these for as long as we can. Right. We did up until 2008, yeah, I think about 2017, 18, 
uh, Barry Allen decided he was no longer going to honour season tickets, but he would then let us buy a ticket in advance. So if you bought a season ticket, so all 17 days, yeah. you used to get a discount across every session. So you used to get maybe about £250 off for being loyal buying all 17 days. Yeah. Uh, then he scrapped that and he says, you still have first access to the seat. So you, you'll get first choice of what seat you want, but we're going to take away the loyalty discount. But it was still worth doing to get the same seat. Yeah. But he banged on his 10% booking fee on top. So take 250 off and bang 10% on. <laughs> and then the year after he goes, right, I'm going to open that seat up to everybody. Everyone's going to have the same chance to sit in that seat as anyone else. So they're going to go on sale on the morning of this year's final. So we used to buy them on the January, February of the year that the tournament was at. And then he started bringing it forward to the October, then the July. Then he started selling it on the day of the final for next year's final. So not only do you have to find two weeks worth of spending money, two weeks worth of hotel money, but also your ticket money for the following year's tournament. Um, So he thought that put us off. But I was first in the queue. I queued for 25 hours overnight and got me very same seat for the following year. And there was nothing to do about it because he, he put them rules in place and I obeyed them rules. And the football shirt came about because you're there for so many days. You know, you want to smell nice and look fresh and wear different tops every day. Yeah. So I only had so many casual tops, but I had quite a few football tops. Because when we first started going, we'd go for the first couple of days or middle weekend or the first week. Then when we started going for longer, you needed more tops. So then I thought, well, I'll just take a load of my football tops. And Snooker always fell during St. George's Day. So St. George's Day always wore me England top. Right. And the rest of the Snooker, I used to wear my commentary top. And I was the only one pretty much doing it. You get the odd other person occasionally doing it and you give them like a nod of respect for doing it, you know, across, and, and it would draw you to them and you'd have a chat with them. Mostly it was just me. And then eventually they decided that um, they wanted to bring a rule in with no football tops. And all, all the players came out and spoke and said that we know it's aimed at Brian. Yeah. You know, it's hardly anyone else that wears it. We know you're aiming it at Brian. And just come out and say you are, rather than just say no football tops. So uh, they told me this, this on the eve of the tournament. And I don't add all my commentary tops on the line, washed and ready, <laughs> ready to go. And then I suddenly had to find like 17 different days worth of clothes. And uh, so I went down, I prime up and brought as many just plain sky blue 299 t-shirts as a buy. <laughs> Got a few tops with just some slogans on, some tops that looked like football tops, but didn't have the badge on. Yeah. And then got hold of a tailor and got some material and got them to make a sky blue that looks a bit like a boating jacket. Right. That I've worn for the last few finals. Almost like a deck chair, really. It's <laughs> sky blue and white striped jacket that I wear without the club badge on that I wear just purely for the final. The very first year I wore that, like John Parrott, Steve Davis, and Hazel Irvine just give me a standing ovation. <laughs> and the papers had a picture of me in wearing it saying, uh, uh, Brian won her nil. Like, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I'm not, I'm just bending the rules and not breaking them. They are trying to get rid of me. And the, the, the actual seat that I've got next year will be the first time I'm not in A11, A12 for the final because they didn't even put that on sale. They made that VIP. So I didn't even get an opportunity to buy it. 
Really? So, and, so and that's the one, the one with your dad's plaque on the back? Yeah, yeah, which I feel quite upset about because no matter what price they put the seat at, I'd still like, if I had the option to buy it, I'd like to have the chance to buy it. I'm, I'm sitting in it for some of the early rounds, but for the actual final, it didn't make it up for sale. So every other seat you can sit in, but not them two. It is definitely me, I think, that is oh, angel. I don't know the yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of snooker etiquette and all that sort of thing. But to me, that that seems a little harsh and unnecessary. But uh, well, <laughs> I, I wish the you all the luck. The football shirt thing that when they changed rule, they said in case of their fighting. Now I've never seen fighting <laughs> snooker uh, when people have been drunk and lost bets. They're not going to be fighting over who's wearing a football top. So George's day, I've always had a friend from Dundee United who, out of out of a joke, would wear a Scotland top. Yeah, and I've had Arsenal and Spurs fans sitting next to each other, Villa and Cardiff in their football tops. Never no fighting, uh, and and then they said for appearance because they knew that the fighting was a ridiculous uh, <laughs> argument uh, for appearance. But then they have people sitting there wearing Betfred t-shirts and they're who are the sponsor, which is yeah. fine. But then don't say appearance. You know, I had a, a seven-year-old lad sit behind me in a green Northern Ireland top, come to cheer his hero Mark Allen on. Yeah. And they made him wear a Betfred his top because he weren't allowed to wear a football now, that, top. That is wrong, that putting betting worse. on a seven-year-old. Which is worse. And then there was a guy sitting there wearing a T-shirt with a picture of the Queen on, but with blood coming down from her eyes and the joker smile cut into her, into her lips. Now, what... What's more offensive, me wearing, well, it could be me wearing a commentary top, but <laughs> me wearing a commentary top or someone wearing a tie like that. I, wow. So it is, and I've seen people in there wear full tops, and I'm not going to say what about them, because fair play to them, you know, if they mm. could get in with, just because it's someone that's not me. I'm the only person that when I queue up to go in, I get asked to unzip my coat and see what I'm wearing underneath in case I'm trying to break the rules. <laughs> But Ayo, my love of sport and love of snooker goes further than what seat I sit in or what top I could wear. They could put me on the back row in the mankini and I'm still going to go and watch it. So um, There's a vision. As <laughs> long as it's not cold. <laughs> anyway, but you know what? I don't think I've ever spoken so much about snooker on a, uh, an England football podcast. I do apologise. No, not at all. It's interesting. It's great. But... Um, I'm trying to think, so to Euro 2016, yeah, it takes us then to 2018, doesn't it, in Russia, and up until the summer just gone, one of England's best performances since obviously yeah. 1990, go on. Yeah, sadly, uh, again, it was tinged with um, terrible news for me personally. In May, my team commentary would beat Notts County in the semi-final of the playoffs to get to Wembley for the playoff final, League 2 playoff final. I'd been to that semi-final with my best mate, Chris. I'd been like Italia 90 with him, France 98, Euro 96. And four days before we were going to go to the final, uh, he, he passed away at a heart attack. He's only 48. Absolutely gutted. Still went to the playoff final with all the friends that we we're going to go with, with his one of his other close friends that weren't into football. But because of Chris, he went in Chris's ticket and uh, his missus went as well. We went and scored our first goal on the uh, on the 48th minute, bang on 48. 
really? like it was a sign. Like, yeah, you couldn't oh. make it up. You know, if you stop the footage when it leaves its foot and it's arrowing in, it's a 48-0-0 on the clock. And uh, we all celebrate. Yeah, yeah. We'd all gone half time to get a drink. Uh, we were sat in like Club Wembley because we'd got seats near the halfway line near where they're going to lift the trophy, hoping it was going to be us at the time. Chris queued up with me and we got the tickets. Me and our friends and his missus went up to get a drink uh, and have a toast for him. She all brought us a glass of bubbly. Then we looked at the clock and thought, hang on, we better get in there. And they'd already kicked back off second half. And we were just coming down the steps and it felt like in slow motion where he was about to hit it from outside the box. And he hit it. And as it went in, we're all jumping on each other, celebrating like in slow motion and looking at the clock. And it is like 48 minutes. And it was just, it was not like it meant to be. And I was meant to be flying out for the first game. When they, when his parents come back and told me the day his funeral, his funeral was going to be on the day of England's first game. For me, it, it could have been a hard, hard decision maybe because all his family were saying, He'd want you to be there. He'd want you to be at the match. He'd want you to be out there. And but to me, I I just wanted to be there to comfort his family, uh, girlfriend, his you know his daughters. He's got twin daughters. So we right. Didn't feel right not being. You know, it would have been wrong, I think, to have gone to the game, even though his family was saying he'd want you to be there. Attended his funeral, said my piece, went and watched the game just with another friend. Music celebrations, really. I didn't want to go out to a pub or a big gathering. Just wanted to um, just have, have my thoughts with me. And, you know, Harry Kane scored late and it was a brilliant win for the yeah. England, for the country. It started us off on a great roller coaster of the ride. But for me, again, it, it just started the tournament very somber, very sad. And then went, went out to the second game. Everyone was buzzing because of the first game, a, a win. For me, I was still carrying the sadness in my heart of my mate Chris. Carried a photo with me, uh, a physical photo, not just on my phone, but an actual photo I kept, carried on oh, nice. with me that I wanted of me and him like, celebrating it again at England at Wembley. Like, and, and just took it all in, just couldn't quite believe it. It felt a bit of a daze, really, scoring six goals and uh, nice for them to get a goal. You know, it, this is Panama, it isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was nice for Panama as well to get the goal because they come all this way to a World Cup and to see him score against England, it, it must have been great for them and having pictures with him and, and a bit of a singing song with them. But still not fully into the tournament myself, still feeling like my heart wasn't fully in it. And then we go to the third game, it, it, it was like the dead rubber against Belgium and I was having the feelings of, similarity with 2016 losing my dad and then also making all the changes and whether to finish top or not who to avoid or have an easier side of the draw and it was a pretty poor game the Belgian game even though I probably had a bit more of a, a laugh and a bit more of enjoyment off the pitch yeah as opposed to on the pitch uh, with friends and we managed to obviously get out of the group and get get Columbia and the draw seemed like it was opening up and People are already talking about Sweden in the court final. If if we get past Colombia, uh, I'm thinking, hang on, you know, I've not seen us win too many knockout games. You know, dangerous thinking, isn't it? Sometimes when you yeah. look too far oh, ahead, it is. especially as an England fan, dear yeah. oh dear. But the only thing we did do, I was hanging around with my mate Neil from Ellesmere Port, who I said had his flag taken on numerous occasions. <laughs> 
in Russia ended up being one of these occasions when, oh. it, when it went when it when it went to uh, when it went to Samara, but Colombia. We stayed in youth hostels, so we were spending like six pound a night in a bunk beds, me, him, and a, a room full of uh, exiled Colombians. They couldn't understand the word of English. We couldn't understand what they were saying, but we'd hold a drink up and we'd have a drink and we'd have a laugh and uh, we'd got some amazing photos of partying with them, going to the games and stuff, and just they're like sea of yellow, you know, beautiful colour of yellow and the carnival atmosphere that they brought, you know, it was the closest thing of almost playing Brazil, I suppose, them being in yellow with had the yeah. drums and the music and like the attractive women and it was just a real like carnival feel to it, Samba beat. Everything seemed like it was going according to plan. We get the penalty, we score, we look like we're gonna hold out for one nil. And then they go and score from like a corner right on the death of the game, really. Yeah. Um and we thought, here we go. And then must have been 30,000 zombies in the stadium. The place was rocking. We were on the cosh. We were hanging on. We came more into it. Second half extra time. And William is on to win it. We don't want to go to penalties. We know what penalties ends up like. Yeah. And he goes to penalties and Henson steps up. It looks like he's going to side foot it to the right. And we're thinking, oh, he must be giving him the eyes. He must be faking to kick it that way. And he's going to get the other way because it just, it looked like he, he was telegraphing all his signals. Yeah. That's where it's going. That's where it's going. And he hits it at such a nice height and the keeper saves it. Hands are in my head, thinking, Warriors, here we go again. That's it now. Shall we go? You know, not even watch for the rest of it. We thought, no, we'll, we'll stay and see the pain. And they go and smash the inside of the bar and hang on a minute. Everyone's celebrating and going mad. They're all doing that, but all the time, we're, we're still a goal down. We still need to score to yeah. be level with them. And, and Trippier's stepping up and thinking, well, all his set pieces, his corners and free kicks are on point. You're thinking, I shouldn't think this, but I quite fancy. Like when Kane was stepping up, I quite fancied him to put this away. Yeah, And uh, and he put it away with such ease. It just looked like that's exactly where he meant to put it. And he, it was never going to miss. And then it was like sudden death then. It was up for grabs. And Pickford just that massive hand, strong wrist, yeah. keeps it out. We're going mental. We're going crazy. And then we're, hang on, it's, it's Eric Dyer. Has anyone ever <laughs> seen him? We've seen him score that free kick, you know, in 2016. In Marseille, yeah. yeah. So he could strike the ball. He could place the ball. But under this pressure... It was probably the worst penalty than Henderson's, really. It was it was almost under a spree, you know, weren't it? Probably should have saved it. But it went in, and it's not a bad penalty if it goes in. The worst penalty, you know, it's the best penalty I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> we're jumping on each other. We're going crazy. We started on a row, I don't know, 20, and suddenly we're on a row three. For the first time in my life, I was probably being a tourist almost, wearing accreditation around my neck instead of putting it in my pocket safely. Next thing I know, I can't see the accreditation around my neck. And everyone's jumping on each other, going mental. I'm going, that's, that's uh, my accreditation. I'm not going to get into the next game without that. I've that's your visa. That's the, the visa, wasn't it? Yeah, you got your fan ID with it, didn't you? And, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it made travelling around Russia so easy and 
I'm going, oh, lads, 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 and they're trying to celebrate and go mad. And I'm just trying to crawl around between the legs underneath one row to another, looking for it amongst all ticket tape and drink and on the tape. floor. Yeah, drink and cups and uh, ripped up tickets because when Henson missed everyone who took their ripped up their tickets and chucked into the floor and their programs and everywhere covered in rubbish. And I'm scrambling like it's a scheme. It's somewhere like um, where, where they go and they have to grab all the tickets. Oh, the Crystal Maze. Crystal Maze. It was like that. I was <laughs> just, just going like that and trying to <laughs> find me accreditation while being like severely drunk as well. <laughs> oh, me but you found it in the end. end. Oh, yeah, thankfully found it in the end. And that should have been the night of all nights to celebrate. It was actually winning a penalty shootout. But we were that mentally exhausted. When we got back, we thought, should we go out? And we thought, you know what? We're just going to have a, a quiet drink back in our dorm night with like yeah. 15, 20 of the Colombians that were probably in there. And uh, we just almost consoled them. And, and they, were, they seemed so happy for us. Yeah, I'll take that for, for many years. Uh, their reaction to us winning on penalties. And it was one of them things where, as England fan, we don't like to look ahead too much, you know, and get it jinxed it. Yeah. But we had booked a £25 internal flight with a Aeroflot, their uh, airline. Yeah. airline. Not a great safety record. That's why it's probably £25. <laughs> but uh, to Samara, we thought we could write it off. If we lose, we'll look to go home. If not, we'll fly to Samara and we booked accommodation there again, book beds overlooking like a river at a man made beach. And we were just partying on the beach every day there. And it was one of the strangest games, Sweden, because I actually felt going to the game, we're going to win this thing. That's a very strange feeling going to a game. Not the bravado of, yeah, it's coming home or mm. we're definitely going to win when you get interviewed and stuff. When Sometimes you he- just get that feeling, don't you? We're going to win this game. We're, we're better than these. We're, more, we're better prepared. You know, normally, teams like Sweden, player for player in our Premier League, we should be better. You know, we should be beating these sides, you'd think. But we go out and time and time again, these are games that we fail in. And yet, Southgate got the mentality into the players. We shouldn't take this for granted because we haven't got a record that shows we win these games. We've got to give these respect. We match them for organisation and for effort, and then our ability to show them. And that's what we did. And I just felt we bossed the game. It's but, one of those um, strange game, that one, because when you think back to the tournament and, and how we progressed through, it's not exactly a, a game that sticks in the memory. It's just a game that we got the job done, really. Yeah, job done. Yeah, mm. professional job. When you think pick for that to make a couple of really good saves, just for the upside of half-time. Yeah. Why we were one nil up. That's why as an England fan, it always shows we need we need all the second goal. We need that second <laughs> goal. It, it's proved it when it came to the semi-final. Yeah. And it did this summer, it proved it. If we get one up, we've got to put the foot, foot on the gas and get the second because mm. we got the second. We sort of almost coast the last 20 minutes of the game. And it was a part of the atmosphere. We were singing, we were dancing, the players come over and they, they stayed for ages celebrating with us it was just party time and for the next couple of days we were partying and we'd also booked again an internal flight back to Moscow for the semi-final if we beat Croatia we'd stay in there in Moscow so 
accommodation was again about £12 a night and it was worth just keeping through all the way through to the final should we win our semi-final I loved Moscow I, I really enjoyed it I enjoyed the company the uh, hospitality of the Russian people you know somewhere I, I could see myself going back yeah I was definitely before thinking like uh, like all World Cups one way or another governments have to pay for it whether it's above or bit you know below, you know we're, when we had a, was it a England United, the world invited our campaign to uh, trying to get the World Cup in 2010, we were trying to get it, weren't we? That's why we went to like uh, Trinidad and Tobago to get the boats, didn't we? And yeah. we were trying to campaign. And I remember the delegation, we sent our Prime Minister, so Cameron went, we sent David Beckham, we sent our Prince, William went, all yep. to lobby the boats. And Putin stayed at home. He didn't even go. He did it from a video message. So I, I think he knew it was in the bag, to be fair. I was thinking, how good a World Cup will it be? And on the eve of it, we had Salisbury, didn't we? And, yes. we, and obviously, we, we had, looking back on what happened in Marseille, when the Russian uh, ultras, Russian ultras with the GoPro cams attacking England fans and causing havoc. And, and we were getting told they had training camps and waiting for the English fans and even murmurs from our own FA, you know, don't bring attention to yourself, don't bring England tops out and about, you know, every single day, me and mate, Neil, or England tops. Different, we had different versions for different eras and we were wearing different ones every day. And every day it attracted us to the locals who would come and ask us to come over and have a photo with them, you know, come have a photo, so I up in my bar or in my house, you know. And every day we'd get off with a drink and nearly always it was vodka. And <laughs> the amount of d- days we would just think, bloody hell, every day vodka. It was just brilliant. And, and then going like it felt into the centre of the earth when you go down into their subways. Yes, yeah, I've been on those. Go, keep yeah, going and going. Yeah. I think. And I- you keep going and keep going. And then you look, when you get towards the bottom and you look back up, you could hardly see the top. It was yeah. like, a, like, a, like a pinhole. But then when you get to the bottom, they're amazing, the Russian subway how, metro stations. How, how beautiful was the scenery, the decor? Oh, it, just, it was like Michelangelo had been painting every painting. It just, it just, it proper made an effort. Yeah, it's not yeah. like going to like the underground in, in you know, Birmingham or... Or going through Shepherd's Bush or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or coming but, out of yeah. Station. It's just a bit embarrassing, really. I mean, I mean, great memories from Russia, but ultimately again ended at semi-final stage. Yeah, we we just come up short, didn't we? Yeah. We, uh, we had chances at 1-0, didn't we? Kane, great chance. Should he square it? Should he finish it? You know, Lingard, edge of the box, Maguire header. And, and then we just started sitting further back and back, didn't we? Second half, didn't really make changes. And we're just trying to hang on. They equalised and you can see it coming. Story of many an England game. What, what were we? How, we were something like a tw- 23 minutes or something from a final. And yeah. Then extra time we looked out on our feet and uh, the changes didn't really impact, did they? Didn't really make a difference. Like They were the better side in the end, sadly, Croatia. With a draw opening and getting that far, it seems such like a missed opportunity. Will we ever get to a, a final, never mind a World Cup final, in our lifetime? You know, someone offered you... One nil up against Croatia in the semi-final of the World Cup. You snap their hand off and think, go on then, get over the line, get the job done. Oh, it just took a, 
a long time to get over that, a real long time. The only sad thing really about the tournament itself was because of people were scared and the worry, you know, it weren't pushed our end. You know, a lot of interviews or cameras we got asked about, have you seen any trouble? Has there been any trouble? And, and there wasn't. And it put a lot of England fans, you know, like we travel on mass, don't we? Yeah. We'll take 10,000 to tournament. And so many missed out. You know, we're scrambling to come out late. And it was so hard to come out late because of the visa and, you know, getting tickets. And if they'd all come out and maybe it's, it's blind faith, you know, we, we still believe, as we say. And yeah. Maybe if they'd come out and the numbers, we could have got them over the line of actually getting to the final, maybe. Or, or it was a tournament too soon. Yeah. We were just so close, but maybe not experienced enough. And it was Gareth's first tournament as a manager. He needed to learn as well. So, yeah, it, it was just, we had more of an England following out there. It, it could have maybe been a bit different. It certainly would have made the experience even more enjoyable because, you know, sharing it with friends is great. Sharing it with thousands and thousands of friends because it's all one family when we're away. We all get on, don't yeah. we, England fans? It's just anyone will help each other out if they can or other out. I've known that from South people helping me out. So I'll, yeah. I'll do the same, help someone out. We debated whether going to St. Petersburg for third and fourth. I've never been to St. Petersburg. Meant to be beautiful. Yeah. It's still following England in the tournament, even though it's third and fourth playoff. I went to the one in Italy, third and fourth, and seen finish fourth. I want to see us finish third if we can. The players, you can't, it's hard for them to get up for it, I suppose. It is, and yeah, motivation. In Belgium, you know, they were up for it and they had good players and better players for us on the day. It was a bit of a nothing game, but a great city to be around. Sadly, I did believe, so my flight coming home was two days after the final. So I was still there. I, was, I watched it in a fan park with a load of fans cheering on Croatia. Still had a laugh, you know, is what it is, and yeah. came home with great memories and great stories to tell, but also a tinge of it, what could have been. It's, yeah. it's the start of a journey, I think, really, wasn't it? As we look now, back on like three tournament campaigns, four if you count the other Nations League that we didn't get out of the group of, yeah. but things conspired against us with no crowds. I think what England have showed, what we have showed, you know, football and sport is nothing without fans. And when we have fans behind us, it makes such a difference. Yeah, and it, it showed that by everyone, you know, getting behind us at Wembley. Yeah. So, you know, we, we had that great away win in Spain, 3-0 up at half-time, a bit uh, delirious, weren't we? Having thought we are done by against... Spain at home in the Nations League where we've got the late equaliser. Yeah. And he got ruled out for, I can't see what really. I think we were very lucky and unlucky not to beat Croatia away in the behind closed doors game. Mm. I mean, and the Croatia game in the Nations League, uh, yeah. which which yeah. took us to the final. I know, and as well, you, you said about the, the Nations League right at the very beginning. They are a tournament that it's, it's good to actually get these competitive games rather than playing your with all due respect, your, your minnows of, of Andorra and San Marino. But, I mean, just Portugal. I, I thought Portugal was a, a a good crack, really. I guess it's just more, OK, the results didn't go away, but I thought it was just a good few days in the sunshine. Well, well, for me, off the back of results going our way, we knew if we beat Croatia in that last game at home, we were going to Porto, weren't we? Yeah. We knew we were going if we won that game because I was getting 
married in 2019. So I told everyone, if we win, my stag do is Porto. Ah. Sort of so I had 20 flights, three villas with their own private pools and barbecue facilities and everything, just outside the Senate of Porto that I'd researched, found, had easy jet flights already. And as everyone was going mad, Harry Kane, that like late, late goal, I was there at EasyJet booking like 20 flights. No. And, uh, well, you're lucky to get reception in Wembley. Be, I did. Uh, I did have the Wi-Fi code, so it helped. What turned out to be like 39.99 return flights for us ended up going like within like a few hours over like 150, 200 pounds for the flights. Yeah. So we flew in day before. Some just go out for the first game, some just for the second. Uh, I was going for both. We flew to Lisbon, yeah, because the flight to Lisbon was really, really cheap, even cheaper than Porto. And then hired a like a nine seater minibus, and we got a lad called Kevin. I met him at the snooker. He's a right. Sheffield United fan. He used to go England home and away anyway, but now we go England home and away together as well. Right. A lot of that seems to happen with England. You know, you start going a game with them, and then you end up going games with them for life, or it goes in waves. And uh, he doesn't drink, so he became our driver, which was perfect. Then he took us to the first game uh, against the Dutch. I thought we played well enough to win the game. Yeah, that um, was one of those games where VAR was in its infancy and no one really knew what was going on with it um, and sort of obviously celebrating goals that weren't to be and just seeing it on a screen and... Oh, By your tone yeah. oh it was, it, you, oh, then you know it was killing football because when we had it in Russia, I thought it worked. There, yeah, a couple of times, didn't it? We scored a, yeah. what we thought was a late winner. And then also, I think we had a goal. Wilson scored a goal, didn't he, against Swiss that would have stopped us having to go through the, the extra time. And, uh, that was hard work. That hard was, work, that game. It was hard work singing, weren't it? Yes. But yeah, we we had a great time. In between the two games for me, Stag do, because of some people I've known, I mean, their phone is uh, Brian Shrek or Shrek Man or because of going back to the story of taking Shrek and stuff, they got a Shrek outfit and they dressed me up as Shrek. So I had to go into Porto Town Centre with Shrek. Then there was a guy there dressed as Spider-Man and I, and I had a dance-off with him. It was horrendous but funny. But I was having to go out drinking with a latex Shrek mask on and uh, people taking the mickey out of me. And uh, now we can see you being embarrassed behind a green latex mask anyway. So, yeah, we, we came out that Switzerland game and the local Portuguese were doing a guard of honour, all clapping in England. They did, yes. You remember, yes. yeah. yeah. It took me back to like Sapporo, Japan. Like It didn't have the same intensity of being Argentina and mm. Beckham's penalty. But, you know, we, we had penalties and that's where we learned Hello, Jordan Pickford could take a penalty. And couldn't he? He smashed them. If only we use that for this summer. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he was down on the list. He must have been, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, more if, if, more if, but, some maybes here and if only. It, 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 it got us from, it got us winning a third place playoff game for the first time. Yeah. It was another hurdle, but it again showed us we came up short in the semi final. We were 1 0 up. Can we get over the line? And can Gareth learn from it? And can the England players, their game management, learn from it? And we showed this summer, we, we have learned. We've got over the next hurdle. We've, we've got to a final. Yeah. 
in my lifetime, in our lifetime, I've seen it in the final. Being greedy now, it was all, all I want to see is in the final, but I want to see is win something now. That's what I want to do. And, that, and then obviously you're looking, we're now looking forward to Qatar, aren't we? It's only next year, which is brilliant. Yeah. The group is in our hands. I know we've got to go Poland away. Hungary are going to be no pushovers. No. Look how they played in the Euros. Free yeah. scoring goal, you know, they were only minutes away from knocking Germany out. Yeah. You know, and we would have played them then and that could have been a totally different game and result because they went for it. You know, and with, I think now that I've full house pretty much there, depending on whether we're allowed to travel or not, but I think they'll have their infield. I don't think there'll be doubts about that. They'll let their crowd be get, get behind them. That's going to be a really tough game, that that away and then Poland away. It's not a gimme right now if if we win that group. You win the group and it opens up for the draw next year. If they have the draw at Wembley again, we might bump into each other now. We may well do. Have another little cheeky chat and a drink, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I'll have my photo taken with your trophy. Definitely, definitely. I could maybe bring the one from Japan out, the real, the heavy one. Well, you bring that one, or you can bring the chocolate one, which I'll, uh, I'll devour. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point taking the chocolate one over to Qatar, though, is it? Is no, it, uh, no. It, <laughs> at least it won't be as hot in November, stroke December. That is. But it's still going, still going to be humid, and. Uh, it's going to be great as a fan. You're going to be able to watch games wearing shorts. And, um, Which for November, December is unheard of, obviously, in this country. I know. Yeah. Uh, we go on to lift the World Cup and then it, we're going to have to go on some sort of World Cruise or something celebrating. Oh, the dreams, the dreams, which, <laughs> which all come with, with following England. And, I mean, you've we've, we've all sort of realised dreams as well, but be it, going to an England game or or meeting people and, and just making memories, making dreams, be it highs or lows of, of following England. And, and you shared loads of them for us, Ryan. So. You know, I've met some of the best people I know in my life because of England, who have become friends for life. England away days are on a different level. They're you know, pretty special. And anyone that has gone, they want more and they want more. Even though we didn't go on to win the Euros this summer, I do feel like football did come home. I do. Because if you think about the song, and if you speak to the deal and Skinner about how they wrote the song, it weren't that, you know, we're going to bulldoze everyone, we're going to win for sure and we're the best team. And it, it's the hope, it's the believing, it's, it's the pain, it's the nearly, it could be. And we, we got all that this summer. We got all of that in abundance and more. And how, how brilliant it was. You know, we've had the dress rehearsals, these last three tournaments. We should go to Qatar and, and just have a bloody good crack at it. And come home with no regrets and, and just more absolutely great memories following England. It's been a joy for me to chat you with some share my memories with you and other England fans and like-minded people. And if you've never come and watch England, hopefully this has made you feel like... Yeah, I quite fancy some of that. In 30-odd years' time, this could be you sitting here telling your stories of how, you know, not only did I, I see the lows, but I bloody see my country win a tournament. And I still hope to be hanging, hanging about for a good few years yet, you know, yeah. to, to still be about and share with all them other England fans. 
There we go. More great stories from Brian. All about following England. Great to hear that human family touch as well. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Now, if you do see Brian at any England game, go say hi. Tell him you heard him on the Three Lions podcast. And if you'd like to tell us about your England journey, any particular games, perhaps your first away game, drop me a line at threelionspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch on all the usual social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. As always, it is great to hear from you. And with plenty of England games coming up, I'll be back with you very soon for some more England content. So until then, cheers. Cheers.